Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. My guest is Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Hey, Keith. Is that my theme music? That was the theme music. I was, wait- I was waiting for something else to kick in there, but it didn't come in. That's okay. Um, we just talked about the inflation rate on the show. 6.7% just reported real. by StatsCan last Highest month. Highest in 31 years, I think. Highest in 30 years. Yeah, 31 years. Yeah, so it's, a, it's an issue that we haven't seen for, for a generation. Uh, and this is, uh, this is impacting so many people, whether it's contract talks in the public sector, 400,000 people looking for at least a 5% a year uh, wage rate increase uh, just to, to everyday folks with their uh, five percent or the inflation rate, yeah, whichever which is, is higher, whichever is right? higher. Yeah. yeah. Now we don't know what the inflation rate is going to be next year. I mean, yeah. there's some economists are predicting this is going to fall, but there's others saying it's going to continue to climb. You know, I go back to the early '80s. I remember being a real young person in the early '80s, and just the economy was crashing in the '82 recession. The inflation rate back then was, I think, eleven or twelve percent. Uh, interest rates were approaching twenty percent. Yeah. Bill Bennett, the premier of the day, brought in legislation to cap public sector increases at twelve or fourteen percent a year. You imagine a wage wow. increase of fourteen percent a year. Yeah, and that mean, was restraint, right? <laughs> that was restraint, and yeah. those numbers we just haven't seen for for decades, and now we're seeing them again. Does the cost of living, and speaking of the uh, the negotiations between the public sector unions and government, they're looking for that cost of living allowance. If that was built into a contract, would that mean if inflation goes up in the future, they would automatically get another raise to match yeah, it? Yeah, you get a COLA yeah. uh, attached to your contract. Right. So uh, based on, a, on an annual uh, COLA, not a month-to-month thing, but yeah. it would be added or subtracted. Um, uh, but again, we're we're in a, a situation we haven't seen for for years, and this has an impact on so many sectors of the economy. Yeah, yeah. What's your read on the government's mood at these uh, this bargaining table right now with these unions? Uh, nervousness because yeah. they're seeing this rising inflation rate. Yeah. You know, the union uh, BCG walked away from the table when the, when the rate in BC was four point seven percent. Yeah. Now it's north of six percent. Yeah. So you can just see the tension at these negotiating tables. I think is going to be rising. I think it's un. Almost inevitable uh, that we're going to see job action in a number of pub- public sector uh, unions in the in the months to come. Yeah, let's talk about the politics of this now. This is re- one that's really on the federal level. You got Pierre Polyev running for the Conservative mm-hmm. Party leadership. He likes to blame this on Justin Trudeau. Just, in- just inflation. Just inflation, as he calls it. Let me play a clip here. Is in an exchange here in the House of Commons between Polyev and Justin Trudeau on f- inflation. Listen to this. Why doesn't he take responsibility for the higher cost of living that is out of control spending is piling on the backs of Canadians? The right honorable prime minister. I, I am impressed to see the high esteem in which the member from Carleton seems to hold me that I was able to create a global inflation crisis with our initiatives to support Canadians through this pandemic. Yeah, so I guess he's saying, like, this is going on all over the world, not just in Canada where there's inflation, so don't blame uh, me. Well, they're both right. Polyev is, uh, you know, doing what an opposition uh, member does, which is uh, accuse the government of everything and laying the blame always at the government's feet. And Trudeau's pointing out this is a worldwide 
uh, situation. Um, but again, this argument is going to go on politically f- for some time, and uh, government's always going to be on the defensive when it comes to inflation. You go back to Jimmy Carter in the United States. Remember the win the win uh, buttons. Whip inflation now. Whip inflation now, yeah. and that sunk uh, uh, his presidency. Really, yeah. that was one of the major issues, along with rising oil prices. What are we seeing today? A rising oil prices and a, and a rising inflation rate. It can be uh, politically toxic for political leaders. And I wonder if it turns into a, a strong issue for Polyev then, as he makes this a centerpiece of his campaign well, for I the think- conservative leadership, because he points the finger at Trudeau and say, "Well, you know, is your overspending that's." causing this and he and he, he makes the point that well we had to spend to prop up the economy during the pandemic but you didn't have to send serb payments to ceos who were sending mm-hmm. out uh you know, uh, re- uh, checks to their shareholders. He didn't need to send serb payments to federal prison inmates. Mm-hmm. He didn't. You know, he says basically you overspent and it's your fault. Well, that might stick uh, to Trudeau. Oh, well, I mean, it's very simplistic, and that's, well, yeah, that's but, not what's causing inflation. But nevertheless, all's all's fair in a, in politics yeah, when it right. comes to something like this. So that's going to stick with some voters. And as you see inflation go up, you're going to see uh, increasing frustration and anger amongst a chunk of the electorate who want to take their revenge out against a government because the government's always held responsible. Let's talk about the announcement yesterday from the B.C. government hiring more foreign nurses. Also, Health Minister Adrian Dix questioned yesterday about getting more doctors. Mm-hmm. We talked about that on the show this week, the shortage of family doctors. Here's what Dix had to say about that yesterday. We have a primary care system that is not... Um, very open on the doctor's side to uh, new entrants. Uh, new entrants want to see uh, in their day-to-day lives a different system than the one that uh, I inherited when I became Minister of Health in B.C. has had for decades. Your thoughts? Yeah, so he's talking about the fee-for-service model, uh, which really can increase the workload for doctors. Uh a lot of young doctors coming in don't want to do what uh, previous generations did, which is work all the time. Make a lot of money but still have no life, just work, 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 work. And that's what fee-for-service leads to. Uh, other do- Younger doctors are looking increasingly for uh, contracts, fixed hours, uh, not not as necessarily as much money. But this the, they're in a contract round with the doctors for a master agreement. Uh, a little different than other public sector unions. This is not a union. These are individual doctors, basically individual business people. Uh, so we're not expecting necessarily a breakdown in talks like that. But uh, it's interesting. The fee-for-service model is increasingly out of step and out of date with recruiting more doctors. I did a story last night on Global, pointed out in four years, we've gone from about 6,200 family physicians to about 6,800 family physicians, which is an increase. But at the same time, the the population increased by almost 300,000 people. So our population keeps going up. We're not keeping pace with recruiting family doctors. And then you throw in the fact that what doctors are being asked to do now is fundamentally different than it was a decade ago because so many people are seniors, an older generation, requiring a different type of health care and a more... uh, constant need of health care than earlier generations. So the, the workload on doctors is increasing and it's becoming different. And the model just isn't there really to, to uh, meet these demands. Let's end with the latest chapter in the Boris Johnson How saga can we not? in the United Kingdom. How so we not? Uh, Johnson now is hit with that fine for attending a party at 10 Downing Street in contravention of COVID protocols in the United Kingdom. And he really got grilled in the British House of Commons. Here he is making an apology. Have a listen. It did not occur to me then or subsequently that a gathering in the cabinet room just before a vital meeting on COVID strategy could amount 
to a breach of the rules. I repeat, that was my mistake and I apologise for it unreservedly. Okay, the opposition leader in the British House of Commons is Keir Starmer, who is the leader of the UK Labour Party, not buying the apology. Have a listen to this. What a joke. Even now, as the latest mealy-mouthed apology stumbles out of one side of his mouth, a new set of deflections and distortions pour from the other. But the damage is already done. The public have made up their mind. They don't believe a word the Prime Minister says. They know what he is. Oh, just a withering response. Withering. Oh, you got to love British politics right now. Well, the House of Commons, very lively event. I didn't know this this gathering that uh, Boris Johnson was referring to took place in the cabinet room. Uh, that's why he's saying, well, it wasn't really a party. Yeah, so right? that's that's interesting because certainly I've never seen a party in the BC cabinet room. It's usually how do you know? Cabinet. Maybe there's been a no, few in there. Well, I remember doing a tour. Um, <laughs> Back in the 100th anniversary of the buildings, they opened up the buildings to you go anywhere. So I did a TV tour of everywhere, including the cabinet room. Yeah. First thing I checked out was the fridge <laughs> to see what was in there, hoping that we see a case of beer or something, yeah, right. a few bottles of wine, but no, it was only milk. Oh, that's probably in a secret compartment yeah. where they put the booze. Hidden, hidden wall. Where, so do you think Johnson's in trouble here now? Like we talked earlier, it seemed to blow over. Now it seems to be flaring up again. Uh, it's flaring up again. Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, he's only in trouble if his own caucus turns on him. And yeah. so far, we haven't seen those those number of letters. There had to be, I think, 40 letters or something had to be signed. And the, this, the air seemed to have gone out of that balloon, but maybe it's getting filled up again. Our phone lines are open, 604-280-9898, star 9898 on your cell. Mike and Vernon. Hi, Mike. It was hey, Mike, really interesting. Ahead. Really interesting listening to you guys talking about uh, the opposition hammering Trudeau over inflation. I mean, I grew up in the '80s, or I mean, I, I, I graduated high school in the mid '70s and lived through the '80s, so I know exactly what's going on here. And one of the problems that we're going to have, and this this will fall squarely on Trudeau, is that we have such a massive debt that to come out of inflation, or I mean, out of the recession on the other end of it is going to take us longer than it may take other countries that are in better financial positions, and we've seen this before. Um, so I'm concerned about that. And the other thing that, that no one is talking about is the unemployment that often comes along with a recession. So we're going to start seeing rising oh. unemployment numbers. I know our workforce is shrinking, but I think we're going to see a lot of businesses um, start yeah. to fail as a result of the recession. So we'll see higher unemployment as well. Well, we're not in a recession we're, right now. I mean, we're not in a recession, and in fact, when it comes to employment, we've had the lowest unemployment rate ever. Yeah, we're like uh, at full employment. Basically, and you and I were talking off air. Just the, the the number of job vacancies that are going to be created in so many sectors, not just healthcare, but right across the board, whether it's police, fire. Uh, pick an industry because so many baby boomers are retiring and yeah. there's not enough Gen Xers or millennials to fill the, fill the, the, the gaps. And there's, there's tens of thousands of job uh, vacancies that are forecasted in the coming years. So it's a, again, it's a, it's a buyer's market when it comes to jobs. So I don't think we're going to see huge unemployment, but the caller's right. There is an impact on debt and debt servicing. And the more money, the government spends on debt servicing, the less money is spent on services. Right. Yeah. Colleen in Vancouver. Hi, Colleen. Go ahead. Whoops. Oh, hi, Mike. Yeah, I um, really enjoy your show. Hi, Keith. 
Yeah, now I'm a boomer, and uh, I'm going to say this. I, I really don't think it's fair to blame the boomers, and, and you're leading to uh, segregation uh, against, uh, feelings against other generations. We've been through this, Mike. The 1970s started as a recession. When I graduated from UVic, there were no jobs. Yeah. The economy mm-hmm. started to pick up in 73, and then it built up some momentum. In 1976, Mr. Trudeau Sr. put in wage and price controls. Oh. He just, you know, he, he remember Barrel Plum Tree? Yeah. My, um, Keith might remember that name. Yeah. They, they sent up a big bureau. They were watching uh, the price of sugar, the price of everything. This is going to come. Justin is falling in his daddy's shoes. This thing <laughs> he brought, yeah, yeah, yeah. right on. Uh, uh, this thing he brought in about you can put $8,000 in for your thing. My dad told me, HOSP, you can put 1000 in. I put 1000 in for eight years. By the time uh, it was the early 80s, interest rates were 21%. I couldn't get a mortgage from the bank, but I had saved 8000 bucks. I'd made 5000 interest. That was my down payment. And the vendor, she wanted to get rid of this place. It was a okay. co-op. Okay. She couldn't rent it. Great. And she great. Thank, thank you, Colleen, for the call. Yeah, great call, Colleen, and uh, certainly brings back memories. The seventy, late seventies, early eighties, uh, completely different world than what we're have been used to for years. So uh, again, will we see? I don't think we're going to see twenty one percent inflation rate or uh, interest rate, but interest rates are going up, uh, inflation's going up. But we'll see. We're on a path now we haven't seen for decades. She, when she said, "Don't blame the boomers," we talked earlier on the show about this unaffordable housing market and some people pointing the fingers at these rich boomers who bought houses 40 years ago and, you know, calls well, to tax their, people, tax their houses. People forget that a lot of boomers leave those houses to and their worth to their, to their kids. Sure. Their kids inherit. Yeah. You know, I've got, I know personal experience. There's a, a lot of young people I know right now are going to benefit big time oh, yeah. from the sale of a grandparent's house, yeah. which is being divided amongst all the grandkids. And yeah. they're all getting a huge chunk of money as a result. Let's go to Paul in Port Moody. Hi, Paul. Yeah, uh, I'll just make this quick. Uh, I have my my wife. Uh, she's in. She had a stroke and she's in care, and she's on welfare. I was wondering if Keith has heard anything what the government is going to do because we're we're topping her up at times, and uh, it's it's such a pinch. And I was wondering if the people on welfare must be in 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 in, in have issues. Uh, so what you're saying what they should raise welfare rates? At least at least seven eight percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, great, great uh, question. I mean, it's interesting. I haven't even thought of that. Uh, welfare rates have only been increased a couple times under the NDP in the last more than a decade. The Liberals just froze social assistance rates for for a decade. Uh, and again, the NDP, to their credit, have raised it. But again, not to the point where advocates say it's really making a difference. Now you throw in inflation. Caller raises a very good point. Does that mean social assistance should, rates should be uh, indexed to inflation at a time when inflation is having a real bite back that it hasn't had for quite some time. Keith, thanks for coming in today. Talk to you tomorrow.